Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. I was in Crow Park yesterday, Ken, watching the dubs comprehensively outplay Mayo to rubber stamp their All-Ireland credentials when my phone started buzzing and buzzing in my pocket. Now, usually what this means when I'm at Croker is that I've been spotted by my friends during a crowd shot on the TV coverage looking like an idiot. But no, Ken, on this occasion, it was to do with the goings-on at Lourdes, the home of cricket, but a venue which yesterday was turned into the home of deceit, deception, underhand dealings, and men in red chinos shouting abuse at sports people while holding a perfectly chilled glass of Chablis. Hello and welcome to today's Second Captain's Podcast. Hello there, Ken. Hello, Kieran. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. We're going to talk to Gavin Casey of the 42 about a hugely successful weekend at the European Championships for Irish boxers in just a few minutes and what qualifying for the Olympics means for Kelly Harrington in particular. She obviously hasn't spoken publicly since she released a statement in the aftermath of a tetchy media appearance last March. But we should... Stay on this cricket just for a moment or two, Ken, uh, because, I mean, you may not have noticed this, but I have in recent days become the go-to man for people who have heard that something was going on at the cricket, but who were at a complete loss as to what it all actually meant. Uh, <laughs> if you want to know the broad brushstrokes in like a relatively idiot-proof manner, then I was apparently your man. You're, you're the link between the GAA uh, world and the cricket world. That's exactly. And I mean, and literally, I mean, I was at Crow Park, but following the Guardian over by over during Cork Derry yesterday. Is there, is there anyone else in your little uh, oh, Venn diagram oh. intersection? Well, I'll talk about Malky Clerkin. Great man for the, he's a great cricket man, Malky mm. Clerkin. Uh, anyone else now that has revealed themselves? No, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, but listen, I mean, cricket was the biggest sport in Kilkenny in the 18, uh, 1880s. They say that's why they're so good at hurling. I, mean, I don't know <laughs> do, that that's... Do they? Do they? They who's, really do. Who's the they that. here? They, they, you know. The, the Kilkenny the, people? They, no, the broader they. You know, just people who uh, see one fact other, and then see another fact and they just kind of mash them together. Join them together. One of them use, you know, you need... Hegel. Yeah, I mean, well, you need eye coordination and a large wooden bat. Uh, they were good at cricket in the 1880s. They're good at hurling in the 2020s. Yeah. You do the math. So so if you were the link man, what were you, uh, what, 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 how, how did you explain what was happening? Okay. So what have you heard, Ken? I mean, you followed. John I've heard Brooke, the following. John Wilson, you, you, you know the, you know what's going on in the, 
Yeah, I know, I know, and and it's not like uh, I mean, I actually do follow um, some people who often tweet about cricket as well. That's not why I follow them. Yeah, but your Ronis, your lose, your, your Bruins. Brooks, your, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, this is the biggest story in English. Your Wilsons. Although yeah. he he mainly just tweets about his own cricket. Yeah, his his own brave knocks that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His it's, undefeated it's stands. Absolutely his unbelievable. Five wicket hauls. His hat tricks. The egotism and delusion yeah. of that man. <laughs> Uh, is is it grows uh, every year and on and on and on. But uh, so th- so this is what I know. I mean, obviously, I don't, I can't help but see some cricket yeah. things. And I don't really pay attention to them. Yeah. But this is what I know. There's this thing called basball. Yeah. Which England have. Yes. It's not working. No. Uh, Jonathan Liu is quite quite strong on this. In fact, I read Jonathan Liu. Uh, I read a piece by Jonathan Liu, although it wasn't directly to do with this. It was to do with the report that they um, had into sort of institutional yes, yeah, racism, yeah. which is, okay, separate from the uh, mm. current Ashes thing. But there's this thing called Basball. Everyone was very excited about it a couple of weeks it's ago. It's basically Ozzy Ardiles in charge of Spurs, only more successful up until this moment. That's basically what, it, that's the cliff notes. Yeah. Uh, we were well, talking about it a bit go last out, week. Shackles off, let yeah. the lads express themselves. Oh yeah. no, uh, Australia are 2-0 up. That's another thing I heard. Yep, good. And Ben Stokes, yes, uh, uh, hit a heroic hit. Knock, it, go for a knock. Hit it. Do I say hit a heroic? No, a hero- it was a heroic knock. He had a heroic knock. A heroic one fifty five. Yeah, which sounds like a lot because I know that a century is a lot. Yes, and that's one hundred. Yeah, so one hundred fifty five is pretty good. Yeah, uh, but this wasn't enough because evidently his teammates had failed to. Yes. Live up to his example. But had you heard about the exact nature of Australia's victory? Did you hear that it was perhaps mired in controversy to uh, include the to increase the sporting cliche another not? No, but I did see that some uh, people were walking past some other people who were chant- chanting at them, cheat, 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 yes. cheat, 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 cheat. Okay, you, you, you've you've done very well, Ken. You've you've managed to absorb a lot of what happened yesterday. Permit me now. To fill in some of the blanks. Okay. So, Ben Stokes, 155. Unbelievable. Bloody mm. unbelievable. But he lost at a key at a key moment in the game yesterday, he lost a partner at the crease in Johnny Bearstow, who walked towards the middle of the pitch after ducking a short ball at the end of an over. So a ball go, flies over his head, he walks towards the centre of the pitch. They usually have a little fist bump with the batter at the other end, saying, Okay, you're doing great. You know, stay the course. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, we go again. But the ball wasn't dead. It was the ball was not declared dead after he ducked out of the way. So he's walking. So he's out of his ground. Uh, the Aussie uh, wicket uh, keeper uh, Alex Carey catches the ball, throws it at the wicket, stumps fall off. Bearstow get the why, start but, the car. But why did he just ignore the ball if it wasn't dead? Because he's being dozy, according to all of the Sky Sports commentators uh, and most and the and and according to the rule book. So, but basically, it was seen as perhaps a little bit of fast, uh, fast work by the Aussies. I don't, but I don't understand. Well, explain the the nature of why did he think it was okay to leave the this ball? You have to hit the ball unless yeah, because it was the end of the over. The wicketkeeper had caught the ball, and that, and he just thought, okay, well, the ball's dead. So he it, it, he's at fault. But unfortunately, vast swathes of the English sporting public did not agree. But I, don't, but I don't understand. Just explain this to me. Yeah, in cricket, the guy throws the ball at you. You have yeah. to hit. The, he's trying to hit the wicket. Yeah. Or you, yeah. if you're standing in the way of it. Yeah. You have to hit the ball. 
yeah. away. In certain circumstances, you don't have to hit the ball. Yeah. What are those circumstances? You can, well, you can just duck out of the way. So if the ball isn't hitting the stumps, you don't ha- you're under no obligation to play the ball. So, okay, so, yeah. so the ball wasn't hitting the stumps. No, the ball went over the stumps and went over his head. So why is it still a live ball then? Because... If you try and if you try and uh, score a run, I run between the wickets. Oh, so you, you so it, so because in, he was walking to yeah. do the to do the fist bump yeah, thing, yeah. they interpreted that as oh, he's trying to do yeah, a run. he's trying to score a run. Yeah. Oh, so the rules of the game are quite clear. The spirit of the game, though, Ken, mm. well, there is a little bit of wiggle room there. So yeah. this is at Lords, as I've described, the home of cricket. Yeah, one of the most hilarious sporting venues in the world. So for the players to get from the dressing room out onto the, the pitch. They have to walk through the pavilion. This like absurdly uh, grand old... But this uh, Lords has been a cricket ground since like 1780 or something. Like it's ridiculous. Including this room called the Long Room where the members have their tea and the members are like, you know, of the upper classes. Let's be under no illusions. Yeah. Um, so the players have to walk through to see the lads, you know, kind of clapping them uh, in a... Uh, in a polite... In a polite manner. manner. Well, when the Aussies went for lunch yesterday, Ken, I mean... The vitriol. It was literally, it was unbelievable. The Marylebone Cricket Club members, they were bally well annoyed, Ken. Yeah. Uh, cue the quite outrageous sight of men wearing blazers and straw hats getting up close and personal, including physical contact with the Aussie cricket team as they walked to the dressing room for lunch at around half one yesterday. Uh, so the upshot of it all was that basically, this, as I said, the Sky Sports cricket team convinced that it was Bearstow's fault. They're dozy, Andrew Strauss called him. Stokes, Ben Stokes, said after the game, there's a question about the spirit of the game to be answered, but didn't really go all in. I mean, he did say it was out, you know. Uh, so the, uh, the players have, uh, Stuart Broad came on and was giving out yards to the uh, Aussie players as well. But anyway, there, I, I want to play you now a little bit from the Red Chinos Brigade, mm. uh, who hadn't seen anything so dubious and underhand since their brother-in-law got a COVID PPE contract from their schoolmate, Matt Hancock. More footage was revealed this morning of the Aussies making their way up to their dressing room with this shocking audio. Get the sandpaper. Get the sandpaper. Uh, yeah, yeah. You may have... You may that, have is that a reference to ball tampering? Yes, indeed it is. The Aussies got embroiled and is in that, a ball tampering t- scandal in, in 2018 in South Africa. Oh, okay. I was going to say, is does that date back to the 1930s? Cause no. That, that, the 1930s is body line. That's a totally different... Uh, Bodyline. Yeah, yeah. I was reading about Bodyline um, recently. Um, I, I finally got around to reading the old C.L. Lord James, you know. Ah, from the so boundary. I really was it? Sh- should read this bloody thing. Yeah, yeah. There's, there'll be stuff in it I can lift. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, I actually was a, was a, on the point of lifting the bit about how um, the Bodyline scandal was reflective of the general zeitgeist of the 30s, the, the, the brutal and mm. savage. Uh, ideologies that were struggling for supremacy at the time. Mm. This was kind of it made flesh. And it's so lucky that I didn't because after not doing, not lifting it for some, um, I don't know, I was going to probe it into some point about Qatar or Saudi Arabia or something. Yeah. Uh, I then read uh, in Dion Fanning's, I think it's the second time I've mentioned him today. Uh, <laughs> the second time I read it in his, his, his examiner column, he had mentioned exactly the same line. <laughs> So literally would have looked like I'd lifted it from him, <laughs> lifting it from Cyril James. Yeah, but yeah. no. Just as uh, well. So the ball tampering is a more recent. Yeah. 
their captain and vice captain had to stand down in 2018. Those oh. players are still playing. They're the players that are getting booed walking up the stairs. Oh, well. So I don't know, Ken. I mean, it seems like we've talked for a very long time. I hope that people are a little clearer as to why everyone is so energised by this uh, topic. But where to now for the concept of fair play and good sport? I don't know, Ken. I just do not know. What you? What are you saying? You're just a phony, man. This is just what I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day. Supposed to look. This ain't wrestling. This ain't the WWE, baby. My belly's just a little big. My hand is just a little big. This is just an act that you're doing. You should be an actor. But brother, I am bad and they know I'm bad. I'll never do that. There were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other was right here. You can, you can run around like you a preacher and all that you want, but baby, I promise you, I will baptize you. Right, well, there's no easy way to qualify for boxing at the Olympics, but the European Games at the weekend are generally regarded as being the hardest route. And yet by the end, we had five qualifiers for Paris, five medals, two gold medals, and a huge statement, I think, by the Irish boxing team 12 months out from the next Olympics. Gavin Casey of the 42, how are you doing today? Thanks, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, This was uh, hugely successful, even more successful than we had dared to dream, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I think at the start of the week, I would have said that to get three there at the first time of asking at these European Games would have been um, par, maybe. Like, I would have considered it a success, like a solid outing. Four would have been excellent. And five, which is what the Irish team achieved, is uh, is pretty exceptional. They came third in the medals table, uh, in boxing specifically, and sort of, I don't know, uh, bared their teeth again to the rest of the world, at least the continent this time around. And um, it's remarkable, I guess, the extent to which even so many of our great amateurs turning professional after every Olympic cycle, there's this conveyor belt of talent coming up beneath them. And um, they're just as good, we think. Uh, We'll probably find out in Paris. And of course, in fairness, there's three two-time Olympians now in that crew of five, Kelly Arrington, Aoife O'Rourke and Michaela Walsh all going back to the big show for a second shot at it. So um, a little bit of a blend of uh, experience, particularly on the women's side. And then two first-timers getting through, Jack Marley, Dean Clancy, two great stories on the men's side. And the funny thing is, it could have been a couple more as well. I know Zorianthia was pretty pissed off about a couple of those results, particularly Amy Broadhurst's quarterfinal exit was very unfortunate. The same with Dana Morehouse. I think it was put to him, um, by the uh, Team Ireland uh, media person whose name escapes me, apologies, but um, in, in the sort of social interviews, social media interviews they do afterwards that like it's a great achievement to get five over the line and he was like, it should have been seven. Yeah. Well, maybe given the fact that you've already referenced maybe the churn that we have after every kind of Olympic cycle uh, and yet we still manage to uh, produce boxers of Olympic standard. I mean, the one... Uh, continual presence there has been Zorantia and this is I think you made it 165 international major uh, championship medals for Zorantia uh, with Ireland uh, which you reckon makes him the greatest Irish sports coach of all time yeah I mean maybe I'm going to bat for boxing there a little bit because like it's a pointless argument but he's got to be in that pantheon right he's got to be in the conversation when you consider what he's achieved since landing over here in 2003. He actually came at the end of 2002 to interview for uh, the job that went to Billy Walsh. So when he arrived over initially, he didn't actually get the gig. But Gary Keegan, who interviewed him, the sort of godfather of high performance in Irish sport, and definitely in boxing terms, 
obviously saw something in Zor where he felt as though we've got to create a role for him. And he went and secured funding for an extra position. And Zor came in as the head coach to Billy Walsh's high performance director and the rest is history. And look, I think as much as you can say, Antia is hugely responsible for the level of success that our boxers have had on the international stage, like to put it into context, as people probably are aware, boxing accounts for over half of Ireland's total Olympic medals since we first competed as a free state in 1924. And Antia has been um, directly involved in half of those boxing medals. So basically a quarter of all of our medals at the Olympics, Antia has had a hand in, more than a hand in. But you've got to give credit to the clubs around the country as well and the volunteers working at these clubs. Like they're churning out unbelievable boxers and athletes that are fine-tuned when they get to Abbottstown. They're not created there. Um, and you've got to give uh, give dues to the clubs up and down the country, the coaches up and down the country that work with a lot of these boxers since they're six, seven years old and turn them into world-class athletes in waiting. Uh, Aoife work you've already mentioned there, is going to her second Olympic Games um, but given the way, like, she, you know, she qualifies, not just qualifies, wins a gold medal at a European Games, you'd have to think that with that Olympic experience, she is now actually a, a proper Olympic medal hope for us now. Uh, she is, and she probably was last time around as well. A lot of the Olympics is determined by the draw, to be totally honest. And, and it feels a little bit... Um, it can be frustrating on one hand, and it almost <laughs> makes it feel... I don't know, I, I, almost destinal or, or like a kind of a fate thing rather than um, you're, you're being in control of your own fate because like you, you get a rotten draw and you're out at the first time of asking, even if you're European champion or a continental champion or whatever else. And she just got a horrible draw last time around. It was pretty close at that to going through. So you just need a decent run at it. And if she gets a run at it, particularly somebody like Eva work actually, because she's a, a brilliant momentum fighter. Um, definitely a couple of times over the last couple of years we've seen her drop maybe a first round like 4-1 and then she just steams into the second round and she's pretty relentless so if she builds up ahead of steam she'll be pretty hard to stop she's definitely a medal contender as is Michaela Walsh as is Kelly Harrington obviously she's looking to defend her uh, crown and become the first back-to-back Olympic gold medalist for Ireland since Pat O'Callaghan in 1928 and 1932 well, I'm sure a couple of roars from West Cork might have a say in that as well but um, the thing is with the Olympics, as we saw with Aiden Walsh last time around, it, you, you can go over there not necessarily as a medal contender, but the draw can just open up for you and you can nick a bronze. Walsh didn't even get to fight in his semifinal because he broke his leg, if you remember, in his yeah. quarterfinal. And you never know what might have transpired for him. And just to sort of put into context, again, the level of talent we have at our disposal, Aiden Walsh wasn't selected for these European games. Uh, a Tokyo Olympic bronze medalist, and he was overlooked because he lost his a national semi-final to Dean Walsh, Billy Walsh's nephew in January. And Dean went over there. He was actually a little bit unfortunate to go out the first time of asking. Um, but this, the, the thing is, and the beauty of this is, there are two more world qualifying events next year, right? So the most boxers Ireland have ever qualified for in Olympic Games was Rio. We had eight. And we have five in at the moment with two more qualifying tournaments to come. Those tournaments are theoretically easier, even though they're open to countries from around the world. A lot of the continental champions, the, the best fighters we hope from every continent will be taken out of the equation at that point because they'll have already qualified. So you get a good draw at one of those and you fly through and maybe we're talking about qualifying seven, eight, nine. And who knows, there could be a, a bolt from the blue sort of a talent um, awaiting to put their hand up and make a name for themselves next summer. 
I wasn't sure that there were any other qualification routes for Amy Broadhurst reading her uh, statement, her brief statement on Instagram last week. Uh, given just the level of her disappointment heartbroken isn't the word I always thought my destiny was the Olympic Games I believed I was born for boxing I was to be an Olympic champion and that's not the way it's gone for me I just want to say thank you to everyone who showed me support over the years uh, I was reading this thinking what uh, what the hell is going on here uh, she, she does have two more chances to qualify it was obviously massive disappointment for her not to go through but that did suggest a level of disappointment uh, like I was reading it thinking, like, is she thinking of going to the pros here or surely she'll stick around for those two qualifying uh, events and at least give this Olympics, uh, you know, those two more rattles before she decides what, what, what's next for her. It's hard to know what she'll do because she has significant interest in her services in the professional game. And I'm talking about some of the best in the business managers and promoters. The thing is about Broadhurst is that she's, uh, 26, which is actually pretty young for a, a female fighter to turn pro. She's got a nuclear left hand. Like she's been obliterating opponents over the last couple of years, particularly down at her more natural weight or weights. And she's marketable. Like she's a good personality. Um, she's certainly become more of a, a verbal presence and, and more aware of how to conduct herself in public in, in terms of like just putting herself out there a little bit, speaking her mind a little bit more than she did when she was 21, 22. And she might have had her head turned. I mean, she probably has had her head turned for the last six to 10 months in terms of having conversations with managers sitting down. Um, but I know for a fact she hasn't like agreed to anything or signed anything. It may be, though, that the allure of being able to turn over, earn money, following the footsteps of her hero, Katie Taylor, maybe even fight on a Katie Taylor show before, uh, you know, before the... the Taylor does walk away from the professional sport. Those aspects to it might just tempt her away. And when you mix that with the heartbreak, as she mentions, of losing at the final hurdle um, in her medal bout, in the bout that would have qualified her for the Olympics, which, okay, it's a bit of a, not even a cliche, it's a natural thing for an aspiring Olympian to say it's been their dream since childhood. But like, it's, it's important to stress how important that dream was to Broadhurst, even versus all of her other achievements. We're talking about a European champion, world champion, um, a woman who's won countless medals nationally and internationally, underage and senior, but it really has all been about the Olympics. And the fact is that she's fighting six kilograms above her preferred weight class, three kilograms above the weight class where she won world and European gold last year because Kelly Harrington occupies the berth that she would have otherwise been fighting for to get to Paris. And she's up against far larger, far stronger women. She's probably getting hurt a little bit. She certainly did against Rosie Eccles in that quarterfinal. And you mentioned at the top, it's there's no easy way to qualify for the Olympics. But if Broadhurst does choose to go again, and if she gets there, it would have been, it will have been the very hardest path you can take. And maybe the idea of having to wait another sort of nine, 10 months before those qualifiers, the idea of having to do it again at 66, where it's just not natural for her. She's at a huge disadvantage. Doesn't appeal to her. Or maybe it was just reflexive. It's a couple of hours after the most disappointing evening of your life. And maybe you just sort of say, fuck it, you know, I'm done. Mm. Or that's what she was feeling. And in the, with the passing of time, she, she may be able to make peace with it and decide to give it one last rattle next year. 
Uh, Kelly Harrington was our other gold medalist and this is obviously coming at the end of what has been an unbelievably challenging, maybe the most challenging four or five months of her entire career. Uh, This all dates back obviously to the interview she gave on Off the Ball where she was asked about social media posts she had made uh, last October. She retweeted a GB News clip related to the abduction, rape and torture of a 12-year-old girl, Lola Davier. In Paris, Kelly tweeted at the time, very, very sad, a powerful message from Eva Vlardingerbrook. Our own leaders need to take a listen to this. She believes this is the 12th girl in France this year who's been killed by an immigrant. And that's just France. She subsequently deleted the tweet. Uh, The exchange was obviously very touchy on off the ball. And a statement she released later that day, I think, didn't do a very good job of clearing it up. So where do you think uh, Kelly's head is at at the moment on the back of the gold medal this uh, last weekend? I think she's really good at compartmentalizing. And I think that her performance, particularly in the semi-final against Estelle Mosley of France, who was her predecessor, her predecessing Olympic champion in Rio, where Kelly swept her 5-0 unanimous decision, sort of indicated that her head was squarely focused on boxing over the last few weeks and few months. But I know for sure, having spoken to her about it a little bit, that she was significantly affected by some of the blowback to that off-the-ball interview and certainly felt a bit of a changing in the perception of her in Ireland as well. And it it saddened her. And I think uh, she struggled for a little bit afterwards. But then those are the consequences of your own actions is the reality of the situation. Uh, Nobody else tweeted for you and nobody else pretty poorly fielded those questions um, from Shane Hannon on off-the-ball. So... It's a strange one. I, one of the things, like unconscious, I don't want to necessarily come on and speak for Kelly Arrington. Like she can do that her, herself and she can do it pretty well usually. But I suppose one of the things that I always felt about that whole situation, including those tweets at the time, is that like it's easy to point the finger at her afterwards and say, oh, well, Kelly hates migrants or Kelly Arrington's a racist. Uh, you know, I hear you're a racist now, father. All of the sort of memes and tweets and stuff that circulate afterwards. But I wouldn't say that's a total reflection of her character whatsoever. I know for sure she has friends from all different creeds and backgrounds through boxing. And otherwise, I, I would say what happened at that time with the tweet was that she watched a video, took it in good faith, probably unwisely and just as is likely to happen to our aunts or our uncles or our parents depending on what age you are she just um fell into a trap uh, like said by a right-wing news outlet that was designed to inflame designed to probably uh, provoke hatred and she tweeted and that's that and then like the interview uh, five months later or whatever it was it's funny because she she inadvertently dug a greater hole for herself by not really contending with it or feeling it especially well. But the weird thing is with Kelly, like for all that she is loquacious and and sort of charismatic and gives great interviews, she is exceptionally wary of the media trying to catch her out. And she's a better front foot interviewer than a back foot or interviewee, excuse me, than a back back foot interviewee. She's a little bit more universal in the ring, but if she feels as though you're you're sort of putting it on her in an interview, she's liable to crumble. Like she she's not good in those type of situations. So she was live on radio. She was justifiably challenged on those previous tweets, and she was like a rabbit in the headlights. And it it sort of her 
refusal almost to engage in conversation about those tweets made it look as though maybe she was endorsing them or that she didn't want to um, roll back on them when in reality I actually think she just sort of froze and um, yeah it was again she's responsible for her, her own actions and I'd be curious as to the way this might um, not necessarily it won't change your legacy as a sports person but as a sports personality it's bound to right some people definitely think of her differently now I think she's aware of that um, but at the same time over the course of the week in Poland where she won gold I still felt an extraordinary amount of goodwill towards her and look there's another 12 months between now and the Olympics as well and who knows if we'll still be talking about it next year I, I probably doubt it because typically somebody else will put their foot in it between now and then as well you mentioned um, the blowback she got, Kevin. What kind of blowback did she get? You know, I mean, are we talking about like people having to go on Twitter? Are we talking about sponsors saying, "Oh, Kelly, you know, you want to watch what you say"? What you know, what 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 was actually involved there? Well, honestly, I think it was mainly the social media aspect to it, again, where she, I mean, obviously, you know, you go into your interactions on Twitter <laughs> soon after that, and you're seeing a lot of hatred and vitriol towards yourself and. I guess the juxtaposition between that and the position in which she had found herself or put herself as an Olympic champion, as an extremely successful Irish sports person and as a role model as well, as a lot of people thought, and, and as I would maintain she still is, um, it would have been stark. Like to go from being, like if you think about it, like as much as social media, again, is not representative of like the actual <laughs> human experience or what's going on in your general life or even of the way that people would perceive you as you walk down the street in Dublin it's I would imagine very jarring to just go on there and see 100 200 tweets aimed at your direction trying to take your head off you know what I mean and that might sort of give a sense that everybody is against you now I think she said after um, was it after her semi-final that the last uh, Olympic Games were about Ireland and this one is for herself (laughs) and maybe those two things are linked to a degree. Um, I, I suppose as well, if I could, and again, like it's, this is really for Kelly to explain and sit down with somebody at some point, but it, it's, I, I saw like a lot of, you know, media types, people probably in similar circles to ourselves throwing stones at her. And I, I would just say that her, subjective experience of immigration might be a little bit different to a lot of ours as well. I grew up in an affluent part of Cork. My family didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I, it was a pretty nice area. And immigration to me was a undeniably positive thing because I, I just never had any ne- negative experiences of it. Kelly grew up in the inner city. Maybe there are friends of hers, people close to her struggling for employment. They're competing with immigrants for employment. There might be sort of a it's she she might have just had a different life experience to a lot of people and i'm sure that would have influenced her thinking when she tweeted as well but i'd go back to the fact that like as i think she stressed at the time i don't truly believe there's any hatred in her heart like i think she's a person who typically loves people might have had an issue at that time with the concept of immigration more so than individuals if that makes sense yeah uh, and if you know, if uh, as you say, if she may have a, uh, a different life experience than you or I in relation to uh, immigrants, but wouldn't a sit-down interview with uh, a journalist or on television or on radio or on a podcast and actually talk about this be the like that appears to me to be the 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 easiest fix for Kelly? You know that if people do still have that impression of her, 
then an interview where she actually tries and tries to outline what she really thinks about uh, immigration, what she thinks about the impact that uh, that immigration has had uh, where she grows, where she's grown up. Uh, wouldn't that be the the best idea? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You should say that to her, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, and we should like, say, I'm by the way, that we've we've uh, we've asked Kelly on the show uh, around this time. Uh, the offer was open ended, and it's still there. She hasn't taken us up on that offer as yet. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And and like in fairness, I think the way she her, her sort of instinctive reaction after that off the ball interview was to lock herself away a little bit. I think she didn't really. I don't know that she deleted her Twitter account, she, but she was certainly not active on there for a while. She's still active on Instagram a little bit, but she certainly narrowed her circle, I would say. And uh, I, I would imagine, again, because she's sort of generally wary of media, and that goes back to like, that goes back years. She's just had a complicated relationship with it. She probably just didn't want to see or hear from another journalist after that. And as much as I actually agree with you, Murph, it would be very easily clarified if she just sat down and maybe spoke from the heart and told a few of her own stories uh, it probably just is the case that she's a little bit apprehensive about the idea of doing that based on that off-the-ball interview and based on some of the feedback she's had since. And, and that's one for her to, to figure out. But as I said a while ago, certainly for the last two, three months, her mind was focused squarely on these European games. She has a bit more time now. So it's 12 months until the Olympics. Maybe in the interim, that interview happens with somebody. And um, who knows? I mean, I guess I hope it goes a little bit better than her last yeah, and uh, you know, I'm like Team Ireland will uh, ask her for media obligations. I'm sure she like she can't avoid this until Paris. So there is a lot to be said for her to pick and choose the journalist and the outlet, and just deal with it herself, deal with it on her own timetable, rather than waiting for it to come up again at another press conference. I suppose. Yeah, and that's it. I think it was the nature in which it was brought up in that off the ball interview. It totally caught her off guard. I think if she's going in there um, with an idea as to how she wants to talk about it and where it's coming up on her own terms to a degree. Uh, it's a lot different. As I say, she's on the front foot then. And she's quite an assertive person. She's incredibly well-spoken. I think, honestly, if she just had the uh, breathing space to be able to think about it and, and how she might like to deal with it, she'll give a far better interview than uh, what happened on Off the Ball that time. And it's kind of as simple as that. As you say, there would be plenty of media duties for her over the next 12 months. And like Ken mentioned sponsors earlier, I don't know that she's necessarily lost sponsorship because of this. Maybe there was some dialogue between her or her representative. Uh, I mean, the reason I, I mention that is because like it's, it's um, for instance, Ava Vlaardingerbroek, who's, who's the, the Dutch, um, she's like a right-wing culture mm. warrior journalist. Who, mm-hmm. who who was on, in the GB News, was it GB News that yeah. Uh, yeah. that she tweeted? You know, she obviously was delighted to see that her, her stuff had been picked up, um, you know, by an Olympic champion and was causing a kind of ruckus in, in another country. And <clears throat> she kind of said at the time, oh, you know, I see the Irish media have tried to cancel uh, Kelly Harrington. You know, it's just so typical, blah, blah, blah. So I was just wondering if, in fact, there was more to it than just what what everyone could see which was like a lot of people taking offense uh, or you know criticizing her attacking her on on social media i mean i think she she was at the time doing a, a, a pr appearance for spar yeah 
who, yeah. who are one of her sponsors. So, I mean, I, I was just wondering if there was any substance to that, because I know that it's, you know, if you ever, if you look at uh, right-wing media, I mean, one of the things they're always saying is, oh, we're the most canceled, or, you know, they've tried to shut us up. You know you know what I mean? Whether there, whether there had been other kinds of pressure actually brought brought to bear in, on Kelly Hanging beyond what was sort of obvious if you looked at Twitter. Yeah, and, I, and I, the honest answer is I don't know. I don't know. I haven't asked you that. Like, Kelly and I have a sort of a journalist athlete relationship i wouldn't say we're we're close friends we would speak off the record every now and then about various things and um i guess i haven't pried that far into the sponsorship element to this because i guess outside of a sort of a, a formal interview setting i would consider that to just be her own business like yeah, i wouldn't yeah. really ask anybody about their sponsors but it's an interesting point and like i might ask her uh consequently or, or after this but um it'll be an interesting one as well just to see like you know I'm sure there'll be plenty more spar campaigns between now and, and the Tokyo Olympics and, or excuse me, the Paris Olympics and whether or not she remains the face of those, I guess we, we could find out that way as well. But certainly I, I don't think there was some sort of a, there was any kind of mass exodus of our sponsors um, from the equation. And again, actually, I, I think even us talking about this now is probably the first time I've heard it spoken about in several months I, I didn't get the impression that it was especially prevalent in any dialogue around kelly uh, during these european games certainly again a couple of tweets maybe a couple of comments in like the 42 comment section but you're bound to get a few of those right yeah. and it didn't feel as the the kind of hue around her didn't feel quite as toxic as it did only a few months ago so maybe a year down the line when she's going for gold again it's um it's forgotten about or as we say maybe it's been addressed by then as well maybe she sort of finds a way to i don't know it's not even repair her reputation necessarily but well, just, I suppose but, actually it is just, that, well it? yeah but also just to outline her views but uh we you know yeah. we 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 await uh that moment uh anyway over the course of the next couple of months hopefully but uh Gavin Casey of the 42 thanks for me for joining us today cheers guys hey it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, I gave both fighters the instruction in the dress room. I'm just cautioning you not. Obey my command at all times. Shake hands, good luck to both of you. The early rounds can really dictate how this fight will go.
Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, in so many ways, we're just very anxious to give Kelly the benefit of the doubt, you know, and that that's kind of, that's where we are because she hasn't said anything other than kind of stonewalling that interview and kind of silence since then. So that that that's what makes this kind of a... Um, her, her reputation we were talking about there as being tarnished. I don't know that... It has been tarnished in the eyes of some. I think it's kind of treading water at the moment until she actually comes out and outlines for us and kind of removes the guesswork part of it that the two of us and Gavin well, not were tarn- not, I mean, not tarnished in the eyes of everybody. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, for that there will also be lots of people saying, you know, alas, someone is speaking up to say this, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, although, obviously... Well, that's how reputations work, you know. Not everyone thinks the same thing about people all the time, but yeah. enough when enough people start thinking something, then that's that's your reputation being tarnished, I suppose. I mean, I do think with, with, with Twitter especially, and I, I, I feel like it's kind of accelerated a lot since... Um, Elon Musk's mm. takeover and kind of redesign, you know, and, and the way that he's changed the kind of the way the feeds work and kind of changed the balance of things. And, and obviously the the kind of blue ticks are getting boosted now, the people who are paying. Mm. And I do think it's fair enough to say that there is a, there is a slant to that blue tick group now. I mean, you know, you might say, well, there was a slant to the previous blue tick group. I don't think... I don't think it was quite so extreme, though. You know, um, you know what I, what I mean is the the previous way they distributed those ticks yeah. was like, oh, is this person notable according to some, you know, ar- fairly arbitrary criteria? You know, but there it wasn't a kind of a self-selecting group, which this new one is. Mm. And I, I kind of find a lot when I look at my feed. You know, it's a lot. I get a lot of like super angry. Content on it, yeah. And which, well, the which for is, you tab is basically just like uh, stuff that's just there to get an emotional response. Well, from you well all I, guess, I guess because it's you know, on some I, I don't know exactly how Twitter's algorithm works or exactly how it's changed, but but clearly engagement is one of the major factors. Mm. The stuff that drives a lot of engagement seems to be getting a lot of attention um, is obviously promoted. Uh, I mean, for instance, that that journalist who she retweeted, I don't follow her, but I, I get I, I see her now in my feed mm. popping up quite regularly, you know, talking about farmers in the Netherlands or talking about, you know, talking about immigration, this and this is all because of multiculturalism and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of constant now. I mean, we, we just had this this whole this, these riots that have been happening in France, you know, and you get like just this stream of people saying like apocalyptic things about it. Mm. You know, France is, you know, did you, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that scene in Succession, which I think it was kind of getting at this, your man Matson, the, uh, mm. you know, the, the, um, Swedish uh, billionaire. What's the, what's the actor's name? Skarsgård, Alexander mm. Skarsgård character. And they're, they're like chatting, you know, at one point and like Tom is trying to join in and, and he's like, hey, you know, what do you think? You know, is France going to make it? Yeah, you know, yeah. What do you think? Is France, is France going to make it? So okay, there was loads of people, uh, th- which is clearly a, an allusion to this yeah. this thing, which is going on all the time, you know, people talking about, which which has been a big feature of French politics, an increasing feature over the last 20 years or so. Um, but this really went into overdrive with this whole, you know, you've got these massive riots, you know, the police put out mm. this statement saying, you know, we're at war with, and they used some word, I'm not sure which exact word, but it was being widely translated as vermin. Mm. You know what I mean? And this this whole, 
like law and order is breaking down and so on and so forth. So I got in touch with like people I know in France. I was like, what What do you think? Like, how bad is this? And they were like, well, it's, it's very similar to what happened in 2005. You know what I mean? But it's not like, you know, France has fallen. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's not it's not good. But like, you know, it's, I think there's still going to be, I think France is going to make it to the end of the week yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what you would think looking at this. There was some video going around of like cars getting thrown off uh, apartment buildings, which turned out to be the... F- the filming of Fast and Furious 8 or something, you know, but this was supposed to be the Bond look. Yeah, there's so much of this kind of stuff now. And, and obviously there are there are lots of people, I mean, I think that journalist is is definitely one who, uh, you know, is is, uh, is broadcasting stuff which to, to fit into uh, an agenda and her agenda is, you know, multiculturalism is bad and, you know, I, I mean, you know, I don't actually know enough about her. I don't follow her mm. closely enough to know what her ultimate... Uh, agenda or what you know what her idea what what okay Eva you know how would you like things yeah, to, yeah. how would you like us to do things you know what's your what what's your solution here uh but I do I do think that particularly Twitter because it, it is the the platform that I the only one that I really look at mm. and that is like I don't see how that can't ultimately start to really um have an effect because even if even if for instance you're looking at this going well you know I don't dis- I don't agree with that I don't follow these people but I yeah. constantly get get shown their stuff and then I click on it and then I guess that tells it to oh he wants yeah. to see more and then suddenly I'm like what this is it's amazing you know I sit down every morning I I uh, I, I I get up I I get a little cup of coffee and I sit down uh, for a fire hose of race hate and yeah. apocalyptic cause, <laughs> apocalyptic theorizing yeah. about how, you know, civilization is about to collapse. Every day. Yeah. You know, and... That's and, for you tab, man. What are you doing? Get back on the following. But, like, I mean, the, the for you tab, even though I'm like, this is terrible, it's like, uh, uh, I look at my what you're following tab and it's, it's crickets by comparison yeah <laughs> you know or literally just cricket yeah, yeah with, or cricket. Fo- football journalists yeah, doing the Jeff Hurst focusing on cricket for a couple of months and, and I'm just kind of like season. okay maybe I'll just have another look at like what's going on in the insane uh, yeah, yeah. You know, because like I mean it is like th- this is old th- th- this has surely... been like a, the, f- the philosophy of like uh Media or the press for like a century. Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, violence. But surely and- the following, the the fact that you follow only boring people on Twitter, like me, for instance. Mm. You know, like surely this is this is perfect. It's weaning you off Twitter, which is has to be the end goal for well, all. What's weaning of us, me off surely. Twitter is, is apparently him basically shutting out ninety nine point eight percent of the. Uh, you know users uh, users from seeing more than like 600 posts that that I, I don't know I haven't looked at much of the last couple of days I mean this happened the other day mm. like it's just amazing oh yeah but I mean it's like, incredible it's, uh, I'm sorry but no I'm sorry it's incredible this man Musk is just uh, what what even is left to say about him I have never seen any idea or any uh, change mm. uh, or a- anything kind of advanced by someone greeted with such universal universal derision yeah. and and scorn and anger and mockery. We as thought his, it'd be bad, but <laughs> it's actually idea, ten times worse. Why don't I just shut everyone out of my you know or yeah. the vast majority of people out of my social media site, which is all about like people being even the people who have paid to have their like propaganda boosted mm. now can't. Access, uh, the, the, their audience, their captive audience, mm. who they're paying to to shove their shit into the face of, can't actually see their stuff anymore. Mm. Even they're like, "What?" You know, it's just it's yeah. just amazing. But okay, 
may may and maybe you know and i saw he was he was tweeting stuff like musk i mean you know uh hey why don't you just go see your family or you know put down your phone see your phone you know yeah. That's like, a good idea. And maybe we should do that. Maybe it's the first smart thing you've ever said. No, it would be great. Actually, just turn the if you turn the whole thing off. Yeah, that would be good. But like, it would be we could all just go cold turkey. Yeah, you know. Oh, exactly. It's like rather than like hating yourself for not being off Twitter, you just be like, well, the decision was out of my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I because no one else is there either, so yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be like, oh, what am I missing? It'd be yeah, like, yeah. at least it's, it's the I nightmare waited, is over. I waited to do the right thing, and oh. it turns out I was too weak. But until, luckily, yeah. someone else is until someone else recreates it. You know, five seconds later, we'll get back on to do the same stuff. But but obviously, the algorithm is going to promote sort of sensational and, and like apocalyptic stuff, and like you know, dark uh, mm. stuff. Oh, this is it. You know, we're this is the end of civilization as we know it. You know, and this is all leading this way, and you know, our leaders aren't listening and you know COVID mm. you know we've had the COVID bullshit and you know that was all fake and the and we've yeah, had the bioweapon the bioweapon vaccine and all this stuff you know it's just like this fire hose of stuff just in your mm. face all the time right now I don't know how much time like Kelly Harrington spend, spends on Twitter or anyone people, people vary but like you see like a, an awful story like that I mean obviously the in instinct is to sympathize with the mm. person go this is terrible how, how could this happen i mean but there's so much there's always so much sort of manipulation is the person who's showing you this are they telling you really what's gone on here is this does this really reflect what's happening why am i why am i kind of being made to f feel this or what you know there's all of these sorts of questions that we'd like to think i mean i would like to think no you know i can ask myself that but at the mm -hmm. same time it's actually impossible really to like for instance i was way in uh, greece there over the uh, we noticed yeah um what happens to me uh, the day after the Ireland game? Uh, the day after the Ireland game, I woke up, uh, did my my routine, got got yeah. a I got a cup of coffee. I, there turn was, the turn the fire. The, I had on. an I had an espresso machine. I was like, yeah. oh nice, this is an espresso. I, I was having a little espresso. Turned on my uh, hate fire hose. Yeah, and was just getting blasted by the first the first bracing blast yeah. of hate for the day. When a text arrives on my phone saying, uh, "We have." Uh, this is my bank. Uh, we have, there is unusual activity on your card. Please click here. Now, yeah. I'd woken up about three minutes before. Uh, click on this link. <laughs> I can't. I click on the link, right? This is what I do. Now, I, I, I consider myself to be a sophisticated yeah. internet user. Yes. You know, I, I know, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, I'm always like, Matt, no, don't. Don't, don't Matt, do that. What Matt, are you doing? Matt, no, no. Do you have a package? Matt, you know, <laughs> Click on the link. The bank is always saying, we will never text you about anything. Yeah, yeah. I click on the link in the text. It brings to a page which looks like my bank. It says, enter your uh, enter your, uh, your, 20, your online banking yeah, yeah. login details. I enter my details. Oh, <laughs> no. I, I, I enter my details. I click, I click OK. And then it goes to another page, and it's asking me more questions. And it's only at this point mm. that I realize what the fuck am I? What the fuck am I? Have I just done? Oh, you know, I've I've just done this boomerish thing on my phone. Yeah. Oh, I've I've given them my login details, my 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 you know login yeah. and plus my little password. So all right, so now I have to ring the bank. I'm on I'm on hold of the fucking bank, you know, trying to get through this, these yeah. various automated menus and yeah, so yeah. on for ages, thinking is my account being emptied while I yeah, try yeah. to get in touch. Eventually, okay, I got through. It was all fine. They're kind of like. They obviously deal with a lot of people like me. They're just like, yeah, we'll never text you. You know, just if you see anything yeah, like that, yeah, just yeah. call, just call yeah. the bank to be sure, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, what I'm saying is, 
this shit like is melts your brain. It, the entire the entire internet is just increasingly like what it what is real? I don't know. Everything is kind of crazy. Everything is insane. Uh, nothing can be trusted, uh, and anyone can believe anything at any given moment. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even really talking about Kelly Hart. All I'm saying is, sometimes she, you tweet something like this. I don't know if she's sitting there mulling over this for ages, thinks, you know, finally, you know, I've, I've been wanting to say something about this for mm. a long time. You know, she's the time in, she I was did. at a training camp in Montenegro. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? So, and then cheated. and then people kind of want to have a massive go at her. And, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's people sort of feel strongly about it. It would be better generally if people were to ease off a bit on all, all, all these forms of like condemnation and like rage. I think that would be good. Like I know this is like, wouldn't it be nice if we were all just, you know, nicer to each other? Yeah. And hashtag, you know, Ken says hashtag. Hey, hey, relax, chill. Yeah. You know, could everyone just chill a little bit? You know, maybe we'd start getting some, you know, which is obviously not the way that the that things are going. Like, because more, the more sensational, the more crazy, you know, the more uh, angry, the, the darker and, and more, uh, the, the more exciting, the more engaging that, you know, all these things are, are the same. So yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, you know, maybe don't always just run on Twitter and say the first angry thing that comes into your head. My, my policy is just never say anything on Twitter. We've noticed, we've <laughs> noticed just that as well. <laughs> just stop saying anything. You're you know? just on there. I mean, why why try and turn the fire hose back on anyone else? Just, just let I'm, it hit you in the face I'm all just, the time. Yeah, I'm just there with just putting the fire hose in my mouth every yeah. day. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I'm doing. Just slowly yeah. being reprogrammed, but not not trying to. I'm just a passive consumer being swept along on this tide of uh, uh, this infernal tide of hate. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Uh, you know, Kelly Harrington. I guess she can she can talk about these issues herself sometime. Mm. Uh, Ireland are playing France in their final World Cup warm-up game on Thursday Ken here is going to Australia next week the final stages of the Gaelic football and hurling championship all coming up in the next month probably a lot less cricket than there was today as well let's be honest so so many reasons to hit us up on secondcaptains.com forward slash join thank you Ken thank you Kieran. thanks so many for tuning in today and don't forget the Second Captains podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.